You are listening to the weekly podcast of Greater Christ Temple in Lima, Ohio. We pray you enjoy today's message. Chasing after you. We thank the Lord for each and every one of you that's here. How many are excited just to be in the land of the living? I don't need any other blessing right now. I'm just thankful that I woke up this morning. Because many people did not wake up. There's alarm clocks going off right now for people who are never going to wake up and see the light of day again. Every day, people who may be in better shape than us, who may be healthier than us, are are passing away. And yet God sees fit for us to be here another day in the land of the living, in our right mind, with a reasonable portion of health. And we ought to just say, thank you, Jesus, that he's still giving us an opportunity to live. Hallelujah. We give honor to the Lord. We give honor to our pastor in his absence. Let's give God a praise for our pastor, Bishop Michael Cooper, Sr., and we certainly thank God for all of our ministers and elders and deacons and evangelists. And to everybody, everybody, everybody under the sound of my voice, we say, praise the Lord. Praise the, Lord. the Bible says, let some things that have breath. Uh, it says, if you feel like it, praise the Lord. No, it says, let everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let everything that have breath, praise the Lord. Give honor to the Lord, as I said, to our pastor, to my mother, First Lady Toby yeah. Cooper, who is here with us today. Thank God for her. I said, Mom, we got to get you out of the house. We got to get you out the house. We get you out of Fairborn for a minute. We, you gonna come hang out with us in Lima this weekend? And she said, Yes, thank you. Because sometimes you just need a break. Sometimes you just need a change of scenery. And so we are happy that she has. She's kicking it with us this weekend. He's kicking it with us. We're going to dive right in. Uh, uh, it, it's ex- I'm excited. How many feel good just to be outside? This is different. It's different, but it feels good. They say this is how it used to be. They used to have what they call street meetings. Anybody remember street meetings? I'm putting my hand down because I don't remember street meetings. <laughs> but I know some of our, our, our those who have been around a little bit longer, they remember street meetings. So this is this is exciting. I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying myself. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. I know we don't have the screens out here. We're doing it old school. If you've got your Bibles, if you've got your tablet, if you have your uh, phone, you can turn to Galatians chapter 5. Bibles. You don't have to clap, but we certainly thank God for her. (sighs) Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says, no weapon that's formed against me shall prosper. That's not my text, but that was in my spirit this morning. Because don't you know the devil tried to form a lot of different weapons this morning to stop what we're doing right now. We might think it's just us and a few others, but we have no idea how many people are listening right now. We have no idea what some people who may be in their houses maybe even slightly annoyed at what's going on, but what word God is going to speak into their spirit right now. And so we're just asking God to move in a mighty way. 
Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 I know you're standing it's just one verse of scripture it is the King James Version so let's read it all together if you have it say amen, amen. and it says stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage let's read that again and let's read it like we really mean it and like it means something to us here we go stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith christ has made us bound wherewith christ has made us subjugated huh wherewith christ has made us to be slaves wherewith christ has made us to not have any fun anymore it doesn't say that. It says, wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Father, we thank you for your word. We don't have to ask you to bless it. It's already blessed. But Lord, we ask you to bless our ears, bless our understanding that we can receive what you have for us and that we will understand the freedom that you secured for us and recognize that freedom both now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated in the house of the Lord. If you just give me a few minutes, I, I just want to preach on a simple, very, very simple subject. And that subject is this, free indeed. I'm not free partially. I'm not free conditionally. I'm not free sometimes. But somebody say free indeed. That means I'm utterly free. I have the fullest extent of freedom that God could grant to anyone. I have that freedom. Is anybody that has that freedom right yeah. now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you may even be going through something, but deep down the inside, you know, I, you know you have freedom in Christ Jesus. We're going to talk about it if you allow me just a few minutes. We understand why we're here as our country celebrates on Tuesday of this week. It's independence or, or it's freedom from the rule of Great Britain. Y'all know why we celebrate the 4th of July, right? I hope y'all don't just celebrate and have no clue why. Well, if you don't know why, let me give you a brief history lesson. I used to teach history. I don't anymore. But the 4th of July signifies the day that the United States declared its freedom from Great Britain. Okay, uh, it's when we decided 13 men, there was a delegation uh, of men from each state in our colonies Right, that came together and said, We are tired of the oppressive rule of King George. Right. And we're tired of it. He's not treating us fairly. He's not giving us rights. He's not giving us uh, uh, the, the basic liberties that the other citizens are having over across the sea. We're not getting that over here. And so, you know what? We're tired of this. Somebody said they were tired. tired. They were tired. Uh, feeling bound. They were tired of feeling enslaved. And so what they did was they declared their freedom. Y'all heard of the Declaration of Independence? Yes, That's what we celebrate on Tuesday. It's the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Uh, and what they did was they allowed us to create a new form of government, one that had never been successfully implemented in the entire history of the world. So I want to take some time to really dive into this concept of freedom. Regardless, let me say this before we move any further. I know people have this to say about America and that to say about America. But understand this, regardless of all of America's ills and all of its even present day problems, America is still the greatest country on earth to live. I need y'all to come on and oh, come on over and sit down. Come on over and sit down. Come on over and join us. 
because you're distracting some of us. I want to make sure everybody understands this. Come on over and have a seat. Because I'm telling you, there's some freedom that's going to happen for somebody today. Whether it's just one person or it's everybody here, there's some freedom that's going to take place. And I don't want anything to distract from that. But America, in America, this is the only successful experiment in having a government that is based on the rule of the people. It's based on the rule of the people, and not just that, but it's based on the principles and the rights that are given to us by God. Jesus. Quite literally, America, no matter what you think about it, no matter how jacked up it is in some ways, it's still the freest place on earth. Yes, it is. Don't believe me? I tell people all the time, say, oh, America's this, America's that. I say, well, go on somewhere else. Go, go try your luck somewhere else, and I guarantee you, you'll be right back here very quickly. Yeah. I'll use an example. I won't get political, but anybody heard of, of Brittany Griner? Anybody heard that name, Brittany Griner? She's a WNBA star, and she is notorious for bashing the United States and how jacked up it is and all the things that's wrong with it. And does she have some legitimate concerns? Absolutely. But she bashes this country all the time, right? But guess what? Those who don't know the story, she ended up being detained in Russia for a very minor offense. But over there, they don't care if you think it's minor or not. It was against their law, and she she was facing nine years in prison for something small. And guess what? Her tune changed real quick. She started calling on the president, calling on America. She was probably singing, oh, my country tis of thee, sweet land of liberty. Because she realized quickly America is still the freest place on earth. I'm not here to advocate for America, but I'm here to remind us, let's be grateful that God has placed us in a place where we can gather outside on the streets and preach the gospel, where we can pray together, we can worship together. We don't have to go underground like they do in China just to exercise our faith. But we live in the greatest country on earth. Does America have a squeaky clean past? Absolutely not. Not in the least bit. But it is, it is, understand this, it is the only place that was founded upon a system of principles and government structure that could allow for its mistakes to be fixed. Yeah, slavery was bad. We understand that. It was terrible. And the people who did that, they'll have to answer for that. But understand, if we were not in a country like America, the civil rights movement would have never happened. It would have never mattered. We would have never had what we needed to have to overturn that dreaded institution. I'm grateful. I don't know about you, but I'm proud, as they say, to be an American. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll leave that alone. Some of y'all might not like that kind of talk. But uh, even with all of those things... America is the freest place on earth. But here's the thing. That's enough about talking about America. On this 4th of July weekend, I'm not here to talk about American independence. I gave y'all y'all's history lesson for the day. I'm not here to talk about even African-American independence. We celebrated that Juneteenth a few weeks ago. But I'm not here, and I'm not here to talk about any of that, but I'm here to talk about another type of freedom. Unless you fall asleep and think, well, I already know what he's going to talk about, I encourage you to listen. Somebody say, let me listen. Let me listen. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, one, th this type of freedom I'm going to talk about is one that I don't believe most of us truly, truly, in its fullness, understand. I'm not here to upset anybody. Just stay with me. Uh, but it, it will be the 4th of July on Tuesday, as we come to call it, a day our nation celebrates uh, each and every year. And it revolves around a document, as I mentioned, called the Declaration of Independence. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and this document we know about, but there's another document I want to talk about too. 
Has anyone ever heard of the Emancipation Proclamation? Yeah. Uh-huh. So this was in 1863, I believe it was, and it was written by President Abraham Lincoln. This proclamation stated that from the authority that was given to him by the people of the United States, Abraham Lincoln was declaring all slaves to be free from the institution of slavery. Now, it'll make sense in a minute. In fact, Abraham Lincoln, he was emancipating them. He was freeing them, if you will. And it's important to understand these two documents. One, on the one hand, the Declaration of Independence was a declaration from those who were bound by a king who was thousands of miles away. Right? I want you to understand this because I'm going to juxtapose them here in a second. The Declaration was written by people who were bound themselves. But the Emancipation Proclamation, while it was similar in context, it was vastly different. Say, what's the difference? What's the difference? Here's the difference. The Emancipation Proclamation was not written by those who were slaves. The slaves didn't come together and write the Emancipation Proclamation. Half of them didn't know how to read or write. They didn't even have a mind to know freedom was possible, many of them. But instead, it took an outside figure. This will make sense to some of y'all in a minute. It took somebody outside of the situation to step in and to say, these slaves are no longer bound. It took a person. It wasn't the, the slaves themselves. It was an authority figure. Somebody say an authority figure. An authority figure outside of the situation to come, thank you, Mason, to come and to say, these slaves are hereby now free. Yeah. Mm. So I want to switch gears here. Stay with me. Just kind of bookmark that spot here. And I want to talk about something we're all familiar with. I'm going to talk about something that we all have a very intimate knowledge of, something we're very familiar with. We might be even as familiar with it as the last few seconds we got intimate with it. Ask me what it is. Say, what is it? It is sin. I want to talk about sin for a minute. You see, uh, sin is a little three-letter word that we hear all the time, especially growing up in church. You heard, you hear that word, you've heard it for years. And if you've been around the church for a long time, you hear about sin all the time. We talk about it all the time, or at least we should be talking about it. If, if you don't go to a church that talks about sin, you need to find you a new church. But sin, it's a powerful, a powerful thing. Uh, it is uh, in one case the Bible speaks about sin and it says the deceitfulness of sin that word deceitful it means not honest it means giving false impressions uh, deceitful means to not tell the truth sin is deceitful somebody say it's deceitful, deceitful. Mm, its goal is to confuse or to trick us at every turn Sin is not your friend. Sin might feel good. Sin might sound good. But sin will kill you. Yes, it will. It literally will kill you. Its only job is to kill you. Yes, sir. Sin cannot be trusted. And if it cannot be trusted, ladies and gentlemen, that means that we should have no part with it. I know y'all think this is an easy Sunday school lesson he's teaching. But I'm going to break it down for you and why it's relevant today. Yes, teacher. Many of us, if somebody were to come up to you and say, hey, I know you go to church, I know you love God, what is sin? Have you ever thought about how you would answer that question? Do we really even understand what is sin? Some of us, if someone said, what is sin, we'd start listing things that come to mind that we think are, are the big sins. We'd say, well, uh, sin is lying and uh, killing and fornicating, that's sin. 
But we all we did was just gave some examples of it. We didn't actually say what sin is. How can we ever get free from something? Uh-oh. How can we ever help somebody get free from something if we don't even know what it is ourselves? Mm. Many of us would just list things that we think are sin. Is sin just doing bad things? Well, it can't just be that because what Deaconess Ward might think is bad, uh, 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 Stefan might think is good. So we can't just say sin is bad things because what does bad mean? Mm. We can't just say sin is things that are illegal because in this country there are certain things that are illegal or legal for that matter that if you go to another country it's illegal. So we can't base it off of the, our government systems. So what is sin? Somebody say, what is sin? What is sin? Sin is an immoral act considered to be a transgression. I'm reading the definition, the biblical definition of it. Considered to be a transgression against divine law. I'll break it down even further. In its simplest terms, sin comes from the word or the idea that means to miss the mark. Somebody say missing the mark. Sin, if you break down the Greek and the Hebrew word of what sin means, it literally is translated missing the mark. Or I'll make it even plainer, falling short of a goal. Stay with me. I promise. I promise I'm going somewhere. Think of it this way. Think of an archer. You know what an archer is. Someone who shoots a bow and an arrow. They aim and they shoot their arrow towards a what? A target. Okay, y'all are with me. Sin is like that arrow that does not make it to the target that we're aiming at. That's how you can understand sin. It's falling short of a goal or missing the mark. When we think of sin, what we're actually thinking of is something that misses the mark of God. Anything that does not hit the target of being aligned with who God is or what God says, that is sin. So when somebody asks you, I want you to get this definition in your mind. If someone asks you, what is sin? It's anything that falls short of God's mark. That's what sin is. Anything that falls short of what God has said in his word or what he embodies in his personage, that is sin. Therefore, our goal should always be to hit the mark and to not fall short of God. Now, some of you may say, well, that sounds good, but how do I know what the mark is? Well, here's the thing. Each of us, God has given each of us a moral compass. Y'all know what a compass is. It helps us navigate. We all have a moral compass. All of us, all of us, all of us. Now, you may say, well, how do you know that? I'll tell you how. I've got some young children. Some of you have some young children or had some or you have grandchildren. Why is it that we don't have to teach a child the word no? Why is it that a child does not have to ever be told something is wrong, yet you'll still catch them sometime sneaking to do something? Why sneak and do it? You don't even know that that's wrong. I've never even told you that you shouldn't draw on the wall with a marker. Yet when you do it, you're looking over your shoulder. When you do it, you go and hide. Why? Because even a young child has a moral compass to some degree. Obviously, there's things that have to be taught. But to some degree, we all have a moral compass of knowing right from wrong. Can I get a witness? 
and because of that, that lets me to know that each in each of us, God, he's made us in his image, and we know right from wrong. We really do. There are some things we have to learn, absolutely. But deep down, on a general level, someone say on a general level. On a general level, we know right from wrong. And so we don't need to spend a lot of time splicing and dicing. Is this certain thing sin or is that certain thing sin? I know so many people that waste hours and hours of their time uh, in their conversations talking about, well, is this, is this actually a sin or is that actually a sin? Here's what you need to know. If it falls short of God's mark, then it's sin. Period. 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 All right. Let me move on. I'm aiming to hit the mark. I'm aiming to hit the mark. Who's that sound like? Uh, somebody said that it sounds like something the Apostle Paul said when he says, I do what? I press towards what? I press towards the mark of the high calling for the prize, which is in Christ Jesus. He's pressing towards a mark. And when we miss that mark, when we fall short, that is when we sin. Why am I spending 10 minutes talking about sin? It's because it's important to talk about sin and what our relationship is to it. Now I've laid the groundwork. You know what sin is. You know what sin is. Now let's talk about our relationship to it. Oh, some of the older saints sometimes don't like these conversations because they say, well, and when I say older, I mean even someone who's been saved for several years of their life, we can sometimes be like, well, he ain't talking to me. He must be talking to those on the outside. But this message is even for those who are under the tent, yeah. if you will. Because sometimes, how many know, sometimes we miss the mark too. Anybody in here ever missed the mark? Uh, anybody ever missed the mark since you've been quote unquote saved? Uh -huh. Okay, so we will be honest. That's good. We can keep talking about it. But sin is the most destructive. I want y'all to catch this. Sin is the most destructive, the most deceptive, and the most disruptive. I'm going to say those again because I want you to get them. Sin is the most destructive the most deceptive uh -huh. and the most disruptive force in our entire human existence. Sin is our most powerful and our potent adversary. Now, some of y'all are like, no, no, the sin ain't the most powerful thing we face. The devil is. Okay, well, let me share something with you. The devil... Let's talk about him for a minute. The devil, the enemy, the adversary, whatever you want to call him, old Slewfoot, as they used to say. <laughs> the devil would not have been able to pull off any of the things that he's done to us or in our world were it not for sin. Sin is his tool. It's his instrument. Without sin, the devil would have no power over us. Yeah. Yeah, the next time you think that you're fighting the devil, no, you're really fighting sin. Maybe that's what Bishop Posey was talking about. One of our bishops in our movement kind of got uh, famous for what we say uh, was him claiming there was no devil. Now, I don't know. Maybe that's what he was trying to say. But I believe what he was meaning to say was the devil is not your enemy. He's not your biggest enemy. Let me, let me correct it for those watching online. The devil is not your biggest enemy. In fact, your biggest enemy is the sin that lies within each of us. Jesus. That's Amen. our biggest enemy. Yeah, okay, uh -huh. yes. some of y'all, yes. some of y'all, I see it working in your mind. Yes. Sin is the thing that we have to fight. Say, I have to fight against sin. Uh-huh, okay, two of y'all said it. Say, I have to fight against sin. 
I'm helping somebody get free today. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, if this ain't for you, that's okay. Just hold on a few more minutes. We'll be done. But somebody's going to be free by the end of this message. Sin is what gave the devil his ability to deceive us. He presented Adam and Eve with the option of missing God's mark. Do you, you know the story? God told them not to eat of a certain tree, right? I'm not going to rehash the whole story, but that was God's mark. Don't eat this. You can eat everything else. That was God's mark. Well, what did Adam and Eve do? They fell short of that mark. Therefore, they sinned and they brought sin into the earth. And now sin is in the earth. Guess what? Do you understand that we were never created to die? Do you understand that we were never created to have sickness? Do you understand that we were never created to have poverty? God created everything in abundance. He created everything in abundance. It was not until sin entered that all of these things we see now started to happen. It is because of sin. I'm setting this stage because I want you guys to understand something. If we focus our, our attention on fighting against the devil, guess what? We, this is basically what we're doing. We're just blindly, we're blindly swinging at something we're never going to hit. We're just punching the air. Exactly. We're punching the air. But instead, we have to focus our attention and fight against sin in our lives, in the lives of those we know and love, and in the whole world. If we can fight against sin, we're going to help some people get free. I know y'all tired of talking about sin. Let me keep moving. Let me keep moving. Sin entered the world because we allowed it to. Adam and Eve fell short of God's mark, and so here we are, living with disease, living with pestilence, living with murder, living with all of these things, unless we get too high and mighty and get upset with Adam and Eve. <laughs> Jesus said, uh, let he who is without sin do what? Cast the first stone. Cast the first stone. So before we can get mad at Adam, yeah, there is original sin that messed us all up. But even if they didn't sin, guess what? We all got sin. We all have sin. In fact, the Bible says what? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are without excuse. Not me, not any of the elders, not any of the deacons. Nobody is without sin. And the quicker we understand that, the quicker we can do something about it. This ain't all doom and gloom this morning. I'm going to make y'all happy in a minute. This ain't all doom and gloom. But we've got to understand, we've got to set the stage. Thank you. we got to set the stage for this thing we were created to worship God I'm moving we were created to worship God and to live forever in a place called paradise but because of sin because we allowed it into our kingdom because a holy God cannot and will not tolerate or have anything to do with sin we were forever separated from him sin is what caused the fall of man sin is why we go through the things we go through we were separated from God. We were separated. And guess what? Because of that, the Bible says that the wages of sin is what? It's death. That means the price of sin is death. So you know what? We all deserve to die. I've talked to people before and said, well, I'm a pretty good person. So why would why why do I need a savior? Why uh, why do I need to be brought back to God? I didn't do nothing to leave God. They don't understand that we were all David said born in sin and shaping. Y'all know the word. I like that. 
born in sin and shaping in iniquity. That means before you even had a chance to, guess what? My, the youngest person out here is probably my son, Miles. Guess what? Miles is a sinner. That won't make us feel all good, does it? That's like, oh, how could you say that? But it's true. He was born in sin and shaping in iniquity. Now, I know, I understand our belief about the age of accountability and all that, and I'm not going to get in the weeds there. But on a general level, Miles, even baby Miles is a sinner because he was born into a fallen world. That's right. Just like we all are. And the cost of falling short of God's mark as it relates to eternity is death. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 15, 56. He said, the sting of death is sin. The sting of death is sin. In other words, the cause of death or the power or the potency of death is sin. One way or another, guess what? This body that you're living in. This body that maybe you work hard to take care of, and you should. This body that may be breaking down on you, and it will at times. But this body is going to die. Amen. It's going to die. One way or another, it's going to die. In fact, it's dying right now. Let me pick on Miles again. From the moment Miles was born on July 21st, 2022, his body, you mean he's growing, but he's dying? His body started dying from the moment he was born. Amen. His body started dying from the moment he was born. Our bodies are amazing. How can his body continue to grow and, and blossom into a strong young man? Yet you're telling me it's dying. His body is dying every moment because of sin. I was talking to my wife the other day, and, and we were having a pretty deep conversation. It just kind of happened, and it always happens randomly. And I, I kind of haphazardly stumbled upon these words. And it must have been from God because I don't even know how. I never thought this. And I said, our bodies are rushing to die. And she was like, and, and she was like, whoa, whoa, wait, say that again. I said, our bodies are rushing to death. And she said, that's so powerful. Our bodies are literally rushing to death. Okay, how can you say that? Because think about it. All of the things that feel the best to us are typically the what? The worst for us. All the foods that taste, that taste the best, those things that our body craves, you understand when we say the word crave, that's your body putting you in a chokehold and saying, go get me some cookies. Go get me some cupcakes. It's our body. Oh, yeah. Our body is craving these things. And guess what? There ain't too many things that's going to kill you quicker than eating a bunch of cookies and cakes. I'm not here to preach nutrition, but I'm just telling you, this is for me, too. But isn't it amazing how our bodies crave the things that are the worst for us? Isn't it amazing how our bodies want the things, the things that feel the best to us, even pleasurable things, the things that feel the best to us are the things that are leading to our demise. Our bodies are rushing towards death. Our flesh wants to die, in fact. Mm. Our flesh has a death sentence, so it has no other alternative other than dying. I'm telling you this for a reason. Stop listening to your flesh. Because guess what? Your flesh has one agenda for you. And guess what it is? It's death. Your flesh just wants to kill you. This is why Paul said, mortify the deeds of the flesh. In other words, get your body under control. Get your flesh under control. Stop being led and being guided by what your flesh wants to do. Not because we're trying to stymie your fun. Not because we're trying to crimp your style. But we're because we're trying to save you from death. Jesus. Oh man, I didn't want to park here this long. Hey, park. All right. 
It's because our bodies are literally in a race to death. This dust that you are, it wants to return to dust. And it's longing to return to dust. One way or another, our bodies are going to die. They'll either die through what we know as an end-of-life experience, yeah. no funerals, cremation, cemetery, yeah. all that, or it will die when Jesus comes back and these yeah. bodies automatically and supernaturally cease to exist. Jesus. One way or another, this body ain't going with you out of here. Right. You're not entering into eternity with this body. It's right. either going to die or it will be raptured and it's no longer part of you. It's going to die one way or another. Physical death is unavoidable. The Bible says that all of creation groans for the day that this earthly realm, I'm paraphrasing for those who know it, I'm paraphrasing it that uh, the, the, the body and all of creation groans for the day that this earthly realm will be over and the sons of God, the true chosen ones of God, will be revealed. All of creation is longing for that. In other words, it's telling us that everything in this world just kind of wants to fast forward and skip to that point in time. And guess what? That includes your body. This is why I can say your body is rushing to death. It's rushing to death. If we can, if you don't understand anything else I'm saying, wow. understand this because it will change the way you govern your day. You'll no longer allow how you feel, uh-oh, to dictate what you do. You'll no longer allow what's pleasurable to you to dictate and to guide how you live your life. Because now you understand, no, 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 I'm not listening to this body because this body's trying to kill me. Sometimes you got to talk to yourself and say, shut up, flesh. You're just trying to kill me. <laughs> shut up, flesh. I know what you're up to. That ain't going to work this time. You've played with my mind long enough. And today, I'm declaring my freedom in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. These bodies are rushing towards death. You might be a good person. You, you may not do this or do that. You may treat people right. You may even have God's spirit and really try to walk this Christian life. But no matter who you are, no matter how long you've been in church, how good of a person you are, there is another power that's at work within you. Yeah. Catch that. I hope I call everybody yeah. in the description. Everybody's included there. Yeah. From here to back there to out there. There is another power that's working within us. Yeah. There's another power. There's another power. It's constantly at war with your mind. That power of sin is always at war with your mind. It's always there with you. And guess what? To be honest, it wins more time than it loses. <laughs> it wins. It gets the best of us more times than it doesn't. But the key is, my father always says, the key is, if you struggle with 100 things today, then next week, get it down to only struggling with 95. And the next week, try to work it down to where you maybe only struggle with 85 of them. Yeah. And eventually, you want that list to be so small of things that you struggle with actively that you're now free from the majority, if not all, of those things. Yeah. It's yeah. a process. It's a process. Yeah. It's a process. It, it's constantly, you're constantly uh, fighting against this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Jesus. Let me skip ahead. I, I, I want to I get this in. But I don't want to bore y'all. Somebody, help us. Somebody, hopefully, will understand this today. I know I spent the first what thirty, yeah, thirty minutes talking about sin, and I'm about done, so don't worry. But here's the thing: I'm not gonna leave y'all there. Uh, we're not gonna leave all down about man. He done beat me up and makes me, and I feel terrible. 
But guess what? I got some good news for you. <laughs> Anybody want to hear some good news yeah. now? You done beat me up, told me how bad I am. But see, here's why I did this. One, the Lord laid it on my heart to do it. But I want everybody to understand there's nothing that you've done that's so bad that it cannot be fixed Jesus. by God. Yes. Nothing. Yes. And I'm saying this because also sometimes those of us who've been in church for a long time, again, we think messages like this don't apply to us. So we just kind of watch our clock and wait for it to be done because he's talking to the new converts. But if we can all understand that there are things in our individual lives. Yours is going to be different than mine. Mine's going to be different than yours. We all have things in our life that sin is still working in us. And we've got to overcome it. We've got to overcome it. And the good news is this. There is freedom that's already been declared for your situation. There's freedom. And I'm not just talking. Yeah, I'm talking about whole scale. There's salvation for your soul. But I'm talking about there's salvation and freedom for that thing you struggle with in your mind. There's salvation and freedom for that depression that you may be dealing with. There's salvation and there's freedom for every little thing that you could possibly face. I'm telling you. There's freedom, and that's what I'm here to declare today. And I mentioned earlier the Declaration of Independence. I mentioned uh, how it was the, the, the enslaved themselves, if you will, proclaiming their freedom. But then I mentioned the Emancipation Proclamation and showed you how it wasn't the slaves themselves that did it. It was another person stepping into their situation and saying, I'm setting you free. All right. All right. You can't do it on your own. I'm setting you free. Come on. I'm setting you free. Because guess what? You don't have the power to declare yourself free on your own. But rather, you had to be emancipated. Someone with the authority and the power and the resources to do the job, had to come in and say, this bondage on Samuel's life, this bondage on Michael's life, this bondage on Jessica's life ends right now. An authority figure had to come in and emancipate you and say that it ends because who the son sets free, the Bible says, is free indeed. Why does that matter? Because the son, the heir, the one who's in control of the house, the one that's been given all power and all authority is the same one that has declared that you are free today. And his name is Jesus. And what exactly does the word freedom mean, you may ask? You keep talking about freedom. It means that you have the power or the right to act and to speak and to think as you want without hindrance from anything else. Do you realize that as long as you're bound by sin, before you accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, before you are born again of the water and the Spirit, you have no power against the sin that's in your life. You're literally not free from sin. You're not free from that sin until you accept the fact that someone greater than you, someone with more authority than, authority than you, loved you enough to declare your freedom. And now you can say, I declare it, I am free in Jesus' name. When you don't have freedom, you don't have the power to do anything or to think as you want because you're bound by that sin. You're bound by its consequences and there's nothing you can do about it. But but the Bible says that the truth shall make you free. What is the truth? Some of you may not know what the truth is. The truth is that 
in our sinful state, we're literally dead to God. Somebody say we're dead to God. Dead. Have you ever heard somebody, hopefully you never said it to nobody, you ever heard somebody or, or said, you're dead to me? Do you understand that when we're in our sinful state, we are literally dead to God? Yes. We're dead to him. Why? Because we reek of sin. Jesus. And he is a holy God. He cannot stand sin. He cannot tolerate it. You're dead to God. So no matter how nice you may be, no matter how good of a person you may think you are, no matter, oh, watch this, no matter if you believe God exists or not. I saw something the other day and someone said, well, I'm an atheist. They said, how arrogant of you to think that just because you say you're an atheist and you choose not to believe that that somehow is going to absolve you from God's judgment. All right. And I thought about that. I said, wow, it does take a lot of faith. It takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a Christian. Because you got to have a lot of faith that you better be right. <laughs> because guess what? I heard someone say, I'd rather live as if God exists and the afterlife exists. I know it does. But I'd rather live like it does and die to find out that it doesn't than to live like it doesn't and die to find out that it does. Uh, it takes a lot more faith to be an atheist than to be a believer. But it doesn't matter who you are. You are a need, in need of a savior. Because apart from God, you have spiritual death as your, reward, as your reward. Every man needs a Savior. Everybody has to be reconciled to God through his son, Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter who you are, but his, his body, he had to come and he had to die to pay the price for your sin. And an outside of him, that's the only way you can experience true freedom. Somebody say true freedom. True freedom. I laid the groundwork for sin. I'm done. I'm really done. I laid the groundwork for sin because I want you to understand you can't get victory over something you don't understand. I'm not hooping and hollering today. I told her to Corey, I don't touch the organ. I'm not hooping and hollering. I ain't doing none of that today because I just want you to understand. That's all fine. But I just want you to understand one thing. Apart from God, the only reward and outcome you have is death. But in God, you have life. And as he put it, you have life more abundantly. You have abundant life. You have everything God ever intended for us. I mentioned earlier that we were created to live forever. But sin separated that. It ended that. It canceled that. But Jesus was not going to leave us that way. And he came and he repaired the breach that our sin had caused. He paid the price for your sin. He shed blood so that you don't have to shed that blood. And that blood was shed one time. And guess what? It covers all eternity. The Bible, excuse me, the songwriter says, for it reaches uh -huh, to the highest mountain. And it says it flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never, somebody shout never. It will never lose its power. You can't send it away. You can't do anything that the blood of Jesus will not cover. For those who are saved, there's nothing that's too small for God. Sometimes those of us who've been saved for a while, we think, well, God, he's too busy worrying about saving souls. He ain't worried about my little headache. He ain't worried about this little bill. I don't know how I'm going to get paid. He's not worried about my little diagnosis. Oh, yeah, he is. He is. He cares. Brother Breston used to say he sees, he knows, and he 
cares. Jesus wants to set us free from everything. Everything. There's nothing you can't be free from today. There's nothing you can't be free from today. Help me preach it. Look at your neighbor and say, there's nothing you can't be free from today. Nothing. 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 Somebody shout nothing. Nothing. There's nothing. Those listening on the outside, there's nothing you can't be free from today. Addiction, you can be free from. Pornography, you can be free from. Depression, you can be free from. Poverty, you can be free from. Anything that falls short, falls short of the mark of God, you can be free from today. Hallelujah. 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 There's other things that I wanted to mention, but I'm going to stop right there. There's freedom that's available. There's freedom from the big stuff. There's freedom from the small stuff. There's freedom from laziness. There's freedom from gluttony. There's freedom from everything. And I'm telling you, I know because I done been set free from some of those very things I named. So I'm not just talking about something I don't know about. There are people here who have been set free from some of the very things that you may be struggling with. And we're witnesses that he who the Son sets free is free conditionally. It's free partially. It's free if you just try hard enough. It's free if you're good enough. It's free if you if you have enough money. No, it says he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And guess what? The very fact that you're here means that God is making a call to you. Jesus. He's saying, come on out, my son. Come on out, my daughter. You don't have to stay there anymore. I don't care how long you've been there. It doesn't matter to me. Time is nothing to me. Well, I've been like this my whole life. Time is nothing to God. Come on. Come on. A thousand years is as one day with him. One day is like a thousand years with him. So it doesn't matter how long it's been there. Doesn't matter. Go ahead and play. Maybe I'll stop talking if you do that. Thank you. It doesn't matter how long. It doesn't matter what degree you can be free. You can be free today. We're celebrating the 4th of July, and that's great. But I want to celebrate spiritual independence today. And that no one that hears me will leave bound like they were when they came. Everybody will be free. At this time, I'm going to ask the ministers to come. If you desire prayer, if you have anything... I talked about the potency of sin. I talked about how powerful it is. I talked about how destructive it is. How it literally is just, its entire agenda is to kill you. But the good news is that you don't have to be subjugated to that anymore. You don't have to just stand there and take it anymore. All you have to do is declare, Satan, you will no longer beat me up with this thing anymore. But just like they signed their name on the Declaration of Independence, I'm signing my name on my spiritual Declaration of Independence today. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.